So as we've gone on this journey to learn a little bit more about writing fiction, we've covered a, a lot of basic stuff, right? We talked about you know, getting started. Uh, how in the world do you put ideas together? How do you start doing that? We talked about character. And, and I really think, to be honest with you, I think character is the I, probably the most in, the single most important ingredient to your fiction. If you're not writing full-fledged, realized characters, then it, it's going to be clear. I see a lot of this a lot of the time. And, and to be fair with you, just to touch on this real quick and then move on, because it's actually not the topic for today. You know, you hear about these things on like Netflix, like you hear about Tiger King, right? And why are people drawn to it? Well, the story could be, you know, but really what's the story? It's the story of a guy has some has some tigers that he owns privately, which is intriguing and interesting, and he, he tries to have someone killed, or allegedly. But what makes that show so damn interesting is the fact that the characters in it, good, bad, or indifferent, are remarkably intriguing. Um, and that's that's what drives it, right? It's It's not the plot, it's the intrigue behind the characters. So I think we should remember that. I just want to hammer that point home again. Uh, we talked about plot, you know, the thing the characters do, which is also important, but but oftentimes we're taught, and very traditionally in school we're taught, to put the plot first, and the plot forms the framework for what we do. And I would rather you start getting into the mindset that the characters form the framework for what you do, and the plot is what happens to them. Um, I think you'll find you get better results. Again, just my opinion. Anything I say on this is my opinion. Take it or leave it. That seems like everything when you talk to a lot of people. They go, okay, cool. Well, I know characters. I know plot. You know, what's next? Matt's setting. Uh, because we, we're kind of conditioned to that high school creative writing course if that's the only thing you had exposure to. And that's not it. These next few episodes up till we finish this are going to deal with some things I consider very fundamental because your setting really is part of your plot. I'm going to be honest with you. Your setting, where your play takes place, is part of your plot. It should be conjoined, Right. There should be a reason whatever's happening is happening in the place that it's happening. That's all part of the plot. That's all part of the world. Um, if you treat them as separate things, then you're probably going to notice that when we start reading what you wrote. Now, today I want to talk about something that's very important to writers. Uh, today I want to talk about language. Now, I say very important to writers because I feel a very specific way. I have very strong feelings about how writers engage with language. Think about it this way. Have you ever seen a musician and the instrument they play? I've known some interesting characters who were musicians in my day, and, and their homes may have been in various states of disarray, but amazingly enough, that instrument was, like, immaculate, right? That was the thing. That was how they practiced their craft, and it has to be immaculate to do that. So that's an important, uh, an important consideration, I think, to keep in mind. Their instruments, flawless, beautiful, gorgeous, set up, ready to go, because they have to be. That's that's how they practice their craft. Without that instrument, everything's over. Um, and that's important. Artists work in paints, right? Actors work with their body. Singers work with their voice. Those are things that you'll find if you deal with people in those professions. And, and I say them when I say professions. I don't mean hobbies. I mean professions. Um it's great to have a hobby, and some of you listening to this probably make writing a hobby, and that's wonderful. It's it's great to have a hobby and a thing that you do, but the thing that will always separate you as a hobby writer from someone who considers writing their profession 
is, is a large part that love for language, right? Language is critical to what writers do. It's, it's the medium in which we work. Beyond that, we have very little. It is also what kind of distinguishes you. See, I always used to laugh about the low barrier to entry to becoming a writer. Now, like, being a musician has a barrier to entry. You have to develop skill on an instrument. Being a visual artist has, has a barrier to entry. I think photographers kind of feel me on this because there's not so much a barrier to entry in photography. Look, that doesn't mean there's a difference, guys. I'm not saying photographers are all equal. I'm just saying to get started and, and be vaguely effective doesn't take a whole ton, right? It doesn't. Like, okay, I'm going to go take pictures. And I took pictures and I photoshopped them and there they are. And I know a lot of photographers have very strong feelings about that kind of photography um, because they're pros and they are different things they apply to it. Um, you know, for writers, it's the same thing, right? It takes very little to, to put together a, a journal entry. It really does. It takes very little. It takes very little to do a lot of stuff. And I say that guys, because look, understanding it takes little is important. Understanding you can stack little effort to do great things is, an, is a fundamental truth of life. You need to earn really quickly, but also it takes very little to now kind of go out there and, and in an era of self-publishing. And I know I can hear the furor from a couple of listeners Look, understand, if you want to self-publish, that's your choice. But in an era of self-publication, right, the barrier to entry to being quote-unquote published author is very slim. It is. And I've read some self-published books that were really good, and I've read a whole lot more that were tragically bad. Yeah, I have. Done deal. End of story. I'll, I'll say it right now. For my, for my reading preference, I have read a whole lot more garbage that came out of self-publishing than I have found, like, gems. That said, I found garbage in regular published work, too. So it, it, it's not a status issue. It's just an issue of it's harder now for writers to kind of distinguish what makes you you. That's language. That's love of language. That's love of words, right? And not just love of words like, oh, I can use all the, ten, the, the $10 words I can find, Matt. I'm going to plug them all in. That's not a love of language. That's a love of sounding like an asshole. It is. You want to sound more important than the other people, and so you litter your writing with huge words that no one understands. No, no. I'm talking about how language flows, right? Think about it. I'll tell you, one of my favorite words in the English language, and you're probably going to be a little shocked by it. Uh, one of my favorite words in the English language is puke. And I like puke because puke is a really wonderful word. Think about it, right? Puke sounds like what you do. Puke sounds like what you're doing. What are you doing? I'm going to puke. Yeah. It's not a very good sounding word either. Like no one associates puke with positivity, right? It kind of sickens you to say it a little bit. Yeah, that's a good word. Right? That's a good word. You know why that's a good word? Because man, like it's about getting sick and it makes you want to get sick. That's a good word. That's if you're a writer winning, that's a great word. Puke. That's what I mean when I talk about a love of language, right? It's about understanding and seeing languages more than just words. And and I, I take this, I, I'm having a hard time with this episode sometimes, plotting it out, because I, I really see this in day-to-day -day life, right? I don't network, I make connections. Horseshit, you network, you just call it something better, right? <laughs> like, we trade this all the time. 
I'm not a salesperson. I connect you with solutions. Horseshit. Same thing. Same thing, right? Same thing. That, that we, you have to start getting the idea, right? When one side obstructs, what, what was the old George Carlin joke, right? Why is it that everybody else's stuff is shit and all my shit is stuff? It's because you language has no meaning to most people, right? Words are interchangeable. We can use them for whatever they want. But if you're going to be a writer, if you're going to write fiction, you need to take that time and and write it and and bathe yourself with the language. Let it be there. And that means the language that your narrator is using, the language that your characters are using. See, we deal about this a lot in playwriting because plays are all language, Right? So if everyone written on the on a manuscript, you can always tell. I always I always like playwrights who write like I do because you know that's how we are as people, and they write in these little clips that don't make any sense until you speak them out loud because they're almost phonetic. Um, and now you start reading it, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's exactly how people in West Virginia sound." I'm giving my girlfriend shit over the podcast, uh, but you know that's exactly how people in West Virginia sound. And by the way, if you want to write somebody from West Virginia, it's not West Virginia; it's West by God, Virginia. Um, that's it. <laughs> you just learn. Um, I know I visited West Virginia a couple times in the last year. Like you, West by God, Virginia. Um, and I do like it there, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. So that's the point, though. You got to know language, right? You got to you gotta have that love for it. You know, anybody can just throw down, these are my perfectly written lines, right? But, like, why do you use conjunctions? Because if I say something isn't good, I say it isn't good. I don't go, yes, the coffee is not good. I mean, I might every once in a while, but for the most part, I'm going to tell you the coffee isn't good. You know? We have little idiosyncrasies, little euphemisms we use. Those, those are all things. You should become a student and a scholar of language, at least in the sense of, of listening to it and absorbing it and understanding it. Language matters. The words you use are going to craft your story. Use a word like puke. You created a, an image. You create a response in the writer. Use a word like vomit. You create something else. Say, oh, he got sick. Got sick. Like, and I've read this a lot in stories because we're trying to, I don't know, we're, we're all trying to be Charlotte Bronte again or something. But, you know, I, I, he got sick. It's so bland. It, it's so plain. It, it carries no animus whatsoever. It's just, it, it, they got sick. Okay, I'm really going to carry this puke story all the way through, aren't I? You know, he, he got sick. Ah. Lazy. You think it makes you sound defeat and cultured. I think it makes you sound lazy. Because you don't want to go right for what's happening and create a full experience via the use of words, which is what writers do. Right? So you go, he got sick. Unless you have a really good reason for that. Unless the character saying it is super effete and would never say the word puke. You need to rethink that. If you have a third-person omniscient narrator and you're telling me how a feat they are, I'm like, well, they're probably bothered as hell by peeping tomming on a group of other people. <laughs> it just is, guys. Anyway, the point is that, that words have meaning. We have to pick those words. We pick those words, one, because they, those are the words we want to use, right? Those are the words that we would use. That's the vocabulary of our story. 
But we also need to pick that vocabulary, like I've said, for the tone. How do we want to get the, the feel? Yeah, that, that's a consideration, right? We often think in writing that the only point is, you know, well, my audience should be entertained. Maybe, maybe you're doing something more cathartic. Maybe, like, I, I, I'm sorry, read Hamlet. It's really hard at the end of Hamlet to be like, well, that was a plucky little tale. Like, everyone's dead. Of the main cast, one guy's alive and a side player showed up. Otherwise, the family that plots together rots together and everyone's a corpse. You know, Richard III, hard to feel uplifted sometimes. But these plays have survived hundreds of years because of the language and because of the tone and because of how Shakespeare wants you to feel. Language is important. Now, going along with that, because I know I've harped on words and you're going, great, Matt, I get it, words, whatever. There's one other aspect of the language in your, in your stories, and, and I consider this an element of language because this is going to influence the language that you use. It's the point of view of your story, right? Point of view is really crucial. Yo, you've got first, second, and third person. I know we never talk about second person. Let me go ahead and give you the warning light now. Don't use it. Um, unless you're really good, like you're, you really want to get out there and experiment. If you want to do that, go ahead and ask me what it is. Because second person narration is a bear. That's why we never talk about it. You think first person's hard. Second person is a bear. Um, you can do it, but it's a bear um, to make work. It can often be awkward. So take that idea and figure out if, if your character is narrating, it's a first person narration and someone within the story is narrating, who are they? And, and this is where you can play with it. Perhaps they're an asshole to one character in the book, but deep down they really wish they hadn't said that. You know, that goes back to that character thing, right? Language is a reflection of your characters, guys. Write that down. Language is a reflection of your characters. Um, the words they say, how they interact with other people, that's going to reflect in the language that they use. So, uh, that's important to figure out their language. Language is a reflection of character. Figure out your perspective. First person, third person. Third person omniscient. Third person subjective, right? What is it? What's going on? You know, because you need to know that in order to capture the language. So how do we learn language, man? I, I want to be a writer. I'm, I'm getting started. I want to write some fiction. Someone turned me onto this podcast um, because they, they, I did something to them in a past life. And they want me to, and I, I'm ready to start, but I don't necessarily have the greatest vocabulary. So how do I do? Do I read the dictionary? No. Do I do the word a day thing? I mean, if that's your jam, go for it. I think the best way to learn language, guys, is two. So I'm going to give you, there, there's probably going to be two homework assignments at the end of the day. Reason, way one, method one. Read a book. Okay. Like, I think we underestimate this, right? If you're a writer and you don't read, I don't know what you're doing. Writers read. I read all the time. If you're not reading and you're like, oh, I'm a writer, do you read books? Not really. Get the hell out of here, right? Like, that's how you build your vocabulary. It's how you expose yourself to other stories and other styles. It's how you learn things, right? If you read nothing but Leo Tolstoy and Russian writers, these huge books that take you years to go through, and, and make no mistake, I actually really love them, um, then you're going to think all fiction needs to be 10,000 pages and super introspective. 
And, and maybe your fiction is that. But if you throw in like a Chuck Palahniuk or, or a Jojo Moyes novel, right? A Juno Diaz, these, these short fiction writers. You can take all those names down, yeah. These short fiction writers, though, that wrote, you know, Kurt Vonnegut wrote shorter books, but they're incredibly impactful. Then you understand the power of short fiction, but you also understand it takes a little bit more. You gotta, you gotta write tighter. If you're gonna write a thousand page book, I still think you should write tight. That thousand page book shouldn't have a whole lot of extraneous crap in it. But if you're gonna write short fiction, you really don't have time for the extraneous. So I think you should experience different writers and different forms and different styles and try different things, right? I hate Jane Eyre. I hate Jane Eyre with a passion. It is my least favorite book of all time. I despise it. Um, and I actually really love, like, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is fun. Um, and actually, to be fair, I love a lot of the prose of Virginia Woolf, too. So, you know, Edward Albee and Virginia Woolf are really big with me. Jane Eyre just isn't. Uh, it, it, so it's not a reflection of like, well, Matt, you probably just like Tom Clancy novels. Not particularly. Um, that's the point, right? The idea is that you have to experiment and play around and read things, even if you think you won't like them. Uh, and as you read, as you keep reading and challenging yourself through that medium, you're going to find words you don't know, which is going to increase your vocabulary. Done deal. End of story. There you go. Method one, read books. Read lots of books. Read newspaper articles or, or on the internet now since the newspaper industry seems to be dying a, a slow and languid death. Yeah. Read. Read, 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 read. Second is listen. Right? You Listening to language is very easy. Uh, this is one of those things, but I want you to become a conscious listener, right? I don't want you to watch Tiger King. I did, okay? Everybody who's wondering, I totally watched Tiger King. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a tragedy played out in seven parts on Netflix. Um, but it's a tragic comedy because you can't help but laugh every once in a while. Um, but the idea is, as you're listening to Tiger King, you're picking up different vocal patterns, right? There are at least eight, nine, ten different distinct vocal patterns from the majority of the people that speak. Even people that are like living together that are nearby, right? The guys at, at the at the zoo in Oklahoma in that show all speak a little differently. Listen, learn to tune your ear and, and and listen for it. Don't go, oh well, they're all from Oklahoma, they're all on this arm, they're all kind of rednecks, they all sound the same. No. Listen. Listen to how they talk and what they say. Do they have a sibilant S? Look that up, it'll give you a good word to use. Do they have a sibilant S? You know. Do they have a drawl? Do they speak slower, faster? These are all aspects of language, right? These are all aspects of how it's executed. Listening to that stuff is going to give you keys on how to use language to create character. Ooh, advanced technique. But <laughs> that's the thing. But not only do it on your shows, listen to the radio, listen to all that stuff. But here's one other thing that I do. I'm going to now tell you my creepy habit. I eavesdrop on conversations in public. Yeah, I unapologetically do it, by the way. David Mamet gave me that advice in a little book called Writing in Restaurants, and uh, he didn't write it to me. He wrote the book. I read it before. He was like, oh, my God, he met David Mamet. I didn't. Um, go to a restaurant. Sit down by yourself. You can't do it with a friend. You got to do it by yourself. You can't do it with people because you'll talk to them. Take a notepad with you and listen to the conversations around you and just start writing them down. And not writing them down to be like, oh, this guy sounds like an asshole. No, no, write down exactly what he's saying 
it, word wise it, and try to write it in, in whatever version of phonetic, i.e. how the word sounds, uh, you can because that will help you develop an ear and an idea for how people talk and for the differences in them. Um, you obviously are going to have a harder time doing the writing in restaurants method right now, because if you are listening to this episode within a reasonable amount of time coming out and not years in the future, we're in the middle of the coronavirus uh, pandemic in the United States. So you're not going to a restaurant and listening to people and social distancing is important. So that's not your best way. Right now, your best way is to probably go online and watch videos from whatever source you want. Um Although I'll say Netflix again, just in case they want to cut me a check. Um, so that's that's the idea. So what do I do, Matt? How do I start this language thing, right? Well, language is a long-term skill for a writer. You're not going to build it up. A lot of stuff I taught you about character and plot, you can start putting into practice immediately. Language is something you collect over time. So here's my suggestion. Pay attention to the language in the book you're reading. This is assignment number one. Pay attention to the language in the book you're reading. Alternatively, if you're not reading a book, go get a book. You want to be a writer, get a book. Um, not just that language, though. I want you to go online and read a news article or read a blog or something else to contrast with that book you're reading and kind of understand how that language goes. You don't have to write a treatise on it. I just want you to start getting conscious of the difference in language and, and, and how we use it. Um, that would be my suggestion. If you only read the same books and you want to change it up, look, like like my girlfriend fell in love with the Harry Potter series. She read all the books. She loves it. She's reading the illustrated. She's gotten through all the illustrated that are out now. Um, but she's read also like, you know, Choke. And she read, you know, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. So that gives her a broader scope of language, right? So if you only read one type of literature, I'd highly recommend you start thinking about the next book you're going to get and do something different, right? So that's assignment number one. Assignment number one, read. Read and, and read a bunch of stuff. Take in more language so that you can see it on the page and understand how it's applied in writing. Number two, start collecting language audio right? Start listening to the videos. Start paying more attention to how people talk, right? Have fun with it, man. Sit in your living room and be like, I don't know, you know, like, like make stuff up. Be like West by God, Virginia, right? Just start noticing little things and, 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 and make a list, write it down, right? Hey, here's a good exercise. You can't do overheard voices at a diner because you can't go to a diner right now. Okay. Put on Netflix and don't watch the screen. Just write down the conversation as you hear it. That's huge. These are going to help you a lot, guys. So that's my honest advice. Your two assignments going into next week. And we're, we're going to talk about some more stuff next week. We're going to keep going through some more of these skills. So this is that more fine point stuff. We went over the big stuff. Now we're down to the fine points. Um, Take that time and, and learn some language and study and grow. If you are in a self-isolation area, a social distancing area, you have time to do this. Uh, it might be a little harder than when you can be around a lot of people. But frankly, if you're an introvert, collecting language by being engaged with people is hard. And I would challenge if you're an extrovert, you know, gathering language. Well, I gather language because I talk to a bunch of people. Nah, you're not gathering language. You're listening to them so you can respond, right? I want you to just listen. No response. I don't want you actively engaged. I want you to become an observer. So in point of fact, my introverts, you are actually better equipped for this work. Um, that's okay, extroverts. You can be too. You know, you just have to shut up and, and play out. I know I give, I'm giving the extrovert shit today. 
no big deal, guys. Just go out and learn some language, right? Read and listen. Those are your assignments this week. Read and listen. You know? Otherwise, I hope you're keeping your social distance. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all still safe. Um, you know, we're going to keep this podcast rolling until something stops it from rolling. I don't foresee that happening anytime in the near future. So there you go. Like we've got, we've got it now, right? We have, uh, we have recorded another episode on language next week. We're going to talk this, take this language thing to a different level. And I'm going to tell you about visually how words look on a page, which is something we really don't talk to writers about nearly enough. So we're going to talk about the visual aspect of, of words on a page. Um, so you can probably start thinking about that a little bit when you're reading your book this week. Um, cause it matters. It matters. Uh, your readers, you're actually looking. It's sort of like if you talk food, they say you eat with the eyes first. Yeah. You look at a page of text with your eyes, giant page long paragraphs, turn readers off. They do. It, it looks like work. Anyway, I'm gonna let y'all go. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Be well. Check out those books. Take a look at the at your videos and all, and, and really start spending this weekend becoming cognizant of language if you haven't been before. And if you have been before, because I fall in and out of this habit too, uh, take the time to really get cognizant of language, okay? So uh, everybody, it's great always getting to spend a little time with you, and I will talk to you soon.